This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The Federal Emergency Management Agency has high praise for religious organizations that help communities in times of disaster. Churches provide shelter, food, and relief distribution to their communities. Some even serve as FEMA response bases, distributing food, clothing, and hygiene products, as well as providing warehouse facilities for emergency relief supplies. Yet, FEMA will not allow churches to apply for disaster grants to repair their own damage. This despite the fact that FEMA actively encourages secular nonprofits to apply. Three Texas churches are taking FEMA to court. They're represented by Beckett Law, a nonprofit public interest legal institute that protects religious rights. Beckett attorney Diana Verm is my guest on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's fast track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. Lawmakers in Ohio are considering legislation that would make aborting babies with Down syndrome illegal. The bill, if passed, would penalize doctors for performing abortions on pregnant women who received a positive test that their baby will have Down syndrome. The state would not fine or punish a woman who aborts the baby after receiving a positive test for the congenital disorder. The abortionist, however, would be held responsible and could receive a fourth-degree felony charge. Officials could fine the doctor and even prevent the physician from continuing to practice medicine. However, in Indiana, U.S. District Judge Tanya Walton Pratt issued a permanent injunction Friday sought by Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky and the American Civil Liberties Union against an Indiana law that would have banned abortions that were solely based on a diagnosis of Down syndrome or other genetic abnormalities. Indiana has 30 days to appeal. A lawsuit seeking to challenge a Maine law allowing only doctors to perform abortions has drawn criticism from pro-life advocates who warned it could endanger women's health and safety. Maine law currently allows abortions to be performed only by physicians. About three-quarters of U.S. states have similar laws, though two other states in the region, Vermont and New Hampshire, do not. The plaintiffs in the federal lawsuit are the American Civil Liberties Union, Planned Parenthood, Four Nurses, and abortion provider Maine Family Planning. The LCMS Board of Directors met last month in St. Louis just as hurricanes were about to wreak havoc in Texas and the Southeast. Not long after the regular meeting, the board made a key decision to help optimize relief efforts for both storms. In the wake of Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, the board of directors, anticipating a greater than normal charitable response for LCMS relief and recovery efforts than was originally budgeted for this fiscal year, voted unanimously to authorize a change in the allocation ratio for disaster response gifts for both storms to a ratio of 94 to 6% for the duration of the initial relief effort. This means a minimum of 94% of every donation to LCMS disaster response must be made available to carry out disaster relief, recovery, and restoration work, and no more than 6% may be spent on engaging donors and fulfilling obligations to donors. While authorizing this change, the BOD reserved the right to make additional adjustments as relief efforts continue. 
a Muslim liberal arts college that offers subjects such as Islamic law alongside courses in math and philosophy, has bought a former ELCA seminary campus for its undergraduate program. Zaytuna College, the nation's first accredited Muslim college, paid $10 million for the 10-acre Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary on a hilltop in Berkeley, California. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. Usted está escuchando el resumen de noticias Mundo Luterano. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is attorney Diana Verum, who's with the Beckett Law. Ms. Verum, can you say something about yourself and about Beckett? Sure. Beckett is a law firm that protects the free exercise of all religious beliefs. Uh, and we like to say that we represent all faiths from Anglicans to Zoroastrians. What's going on right now is in the aftermath of the hurricanes, Irma and Harvey, it turns out that well, FEMA, of course, part of their job is to go in and to help uh, reconstruct. However, it turns out that certain org- nonprofits, specifically religious organizations, are not eligible for FEMA relief. I understand that Beckett has taken up the case and, in fact, has filed a uh, has filed a, a suit in the uh, uh, U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas, and I believe it's the case of Harvest Family Church versus the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Could you go into that case a little bit, and why was it filed? Sure, Kip. So Texas and Florida, they're both facing very serious situations right now. And we've seen that churches were some of the first groups on the ground to start helping people. And now they're at the forefront of the recovery efforts. Uh, And we've also seen that churches have experienced serious damage. So the, the problem is that FEMA is offering grants to nonprofits for emergency relief and to start rebuilding. But it excludes churches from that relief just because they're religious. And that violates the First Amendment because it discriminates against religious groups. So at Beckett, we represent three churches in the Houston area that have sued FEMA for equal treatment. 
Now, I noticed that in your filing, uh, you go after uh, you, you quote uh, the Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia versus Comey decision earlier this year in which uh, Lutheran Church, one of ours, had uh, applied for a uh, had applied for a public service. Pardon me. Had applied for a government grant, a state government grant that was specifically aimed at nonprofits, but then told that although they qualified in every single area, they were disqualified solely because they were a religious organization. But the Supreme Court overturned that. That's right. And that kind of religious discrimination experienced in Missouri by the Lutheran Church in Missouri is exactly what the free exercise does not allow. And that is what the Supreme Court said uh, just in June in, in the Trinity Lutheran Church case. And so it's the same principle here. That's exactly what FEMA is doing here. They're just, they're excluding churches from a general public grant just because they're religious. And that violates the free exercise clause. Well, also, FEMA itself has mentioned many times that uh, churches are actually vital in terms of the recovery efforts, that they have provided vital services. I know in the case of both Harvey and uh, Irma, the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate has opened its churches to refugees. We're distributing supplies. We're doing all sorts of things, even though our churches had indeed suffered damage. And this is the case as well with with your clients. Uh, That is something that really strikes me is where... The FEMA has explicitly said that these churches are very important in reconstruction and in easing the disaster suffering, but they can't help them. That's exactly right. So you're you're right that uh, these churches have have been on the ground helping people rebuild since you know since as soon as the hurricane hit, uh, and FEMA has recognized in the past and to, you know in this. In this situation, that churches are some of the first responders and they're some of the most important groups to help. Uh, I know that the Lutheran Church has, has opened its doors to help its community and is trying to help rebuild. Uh, Highway Tabernacle is one of our clients, and FEMA is using their uh, property as a staging ground. So they've got trucks parked there. They're they're landing helicopters there. They've uh, they're still being used as a shelter uh, for people who have, who are continue to be displaced from the flooding. Well, I find it especially interesting in that uh, FEMA notices, notes that, uh, I'm quoting here from a release, that from housing and feeding evacuees to loading trucks with meals and hygiene supplies, houses of worship are pillars of safety, hope, and help when disaster strikes. But while FEMA recognizes that houses of worship are essential partners in recovery process, it bans them from receiving recovery grants. I, I just do not follow the logic there. I understand the concept of separation of church and state, yet when the church works with the state for the common good, there's a problem. Right. It's it's really a contradiction for FEMA to say that churches are so helpful, but then to deny them this aid. Uh, and you know, in our history, it's never violated the separation of church and state for the government to provide basic services to churches. So, you know, um, police services, you know, road paving. Um, you know, if, if you if you call the fire department and say there's a fire, they don't ask, are you are you a religious organization? They just show up, uh, and that's what we would expect FEMA to do in an emergency situation like this with Hurricanes Harvey and Irma, and it and it hasn't. And so we're hopeful that FEMA will change its policy uh, in response to this lawsuit, and especially following the Supreme Court's clarification that churches. You can't discriminate against churches. Now, this uh, FEMA decision not to include churches, is this a regulation or is it a law? Did FEMA decide this on its own? FEMA decided it on its own. The law does not does not say 
that uh, funds cannot go to churches. FEMA has said that it's on its own. It's a FEMA policy. FEMA could change it today if it wanted to. When did FEMA enact this policy? This is a decades-old policy. It started uh, at least uh, in the President Clinton administration, if not before that, in the Bush administration. So this is something that has uh, has been a problem for churches in many disasters, including following Katrina and Superstorm Sandy. Another thing I've noticed here is that uh, the church is actually, or any organization really that is seeking that relief, must apply for the disaster relief aids within 30 days of the federal disaster declaration. Uh, President Trump has made that, and so that means that will expire on September the 26th if to receive any kind of funding. So this is a very timely, uh, timely uh, decision here, a timely issue. Can the church? Can the can the court order FEMA to extend the uh, the deadline on this while the case is being held? So this is a very urgent situation, and FEMA has actually extended the deadline. So since uh, since this the lawsuit was filed, uh, FEMA has extended the deadline to I think it's 120 days now. The problem is we still have an urgent situation because churches are having to make decisions now about what they're going to do and whether or not they're going to be able to get an inspector. So um, first assembly. Is one of our is one of our clients in Rockport, and Rockport was hit straight on by the storm. So most of uh, First Assembly's building has been is, it will have to be demolished. But they're not going to be able to get someone from FEMA there to look at it before they have to make make a decision about whether. Uh, about whether to demolish it or not if they don't get relief soon. Well, even such things as debris clearing may be delayed right. because of this. And my understanding, exactly. and my understanding also from speaking to some structural engineers, is that damage will actually accrue over a period of time if not addressed. That's right. And so FEMA is saying, "Oh, like fix the problems now, and we'll see if we can reimburse you later." But the churches are having to make urgent decisions right now, and they're not—they're not sure whether or not FEMA will be able to help them or not. So that's why this is an urgent lawsuit. Well, over and above that, the uh, extension of from uh, 30 to 120 days, the court process often takes a long, long time. I'm thinking maybe this 120 days really isn't sufficient. Right. And that's why we're asking the court for quick relief. We're asking the court to respond to uh, respond to our request uh, in in time for the for the churches to really submit their applications in time. So the, the churches have submitted their application. The question is, will FEMA respond in time uh, for them to actually get relief that's useful? We've seen churches in the past, churches have waited um, years to get final, uh, final decisions from FEMA. They've had to appeal and they've gone through years of process of waiting. So, so we're hopeful that in this case, the courts will move a little faster. Has the court given any indication that it will hear this case immediately? Uh, the court has set a briefing schedule, so uh, we should have an answer from the court in the next month or so, and we're hopeful that the court understands how urgent this case is. So if the court does decide to hear the case, how long until a uh, ruling would be made? Uh, we're hopeful that we would hear something uh, within the next uh, within the next 120 days, so something uh, in a reasonable time frame for the for. Uh, seem to be able to get an answer to our clients in time. Uh, so 
hopefully later this fall. Well, one thing also I noticed uh, was in the past where FEMA grants did go to various organizations, certainly many of the, uh, many of the organizations are, are quite worthy of it, but also... For example, activities that would be included are such things as community centers. That means art services for such things as art classes. Uh, an educational facility could include, say, car care, ceramics, gardening, sewing circles. Performing art centers would be uh, would be uh, would be eligible. Social activities, for example, community barbecues, could also be uh, eligible. I understand there was actually one case in an earlier hurricane where an octopus research center received FEMA funds. That's right. Uh, and in, in that case, the Octopus Research Center was not open to the public at the time. FEMA's criteria is that if you're, if you're a nonprofit, you're open to the public, uh, maybe you have a low entry fee, then you're eligible for, for applications, for, uh, for grant funds. So if you provide any kind of community service, FEMA will... You're eligible for the grant. So the so churches. I mean, some of the things that you listed, churches are doing a lot of those things. They're providing community services. They're offering you know edu- they're offering community education, both religious and non-religious. They're you know they're acting as libraries. They're acting as shelters. They're doing all these things. Uh, just the, you know the same as any not any secular nonprofit, but they're being excluded just because they're religious, and that's what violates the grant clause. Well, churches, by their very nature, are open. They want people to come. They want people to hear. They want people to arrive and talk and and literally become community centers. Uh, One thing I did notice in the FEMA regulations was that if a a facility, a particular building, has 50 percent, I think it's more than 50 percent of its structure is dedicated to worship, that's what makes it ineligible, which would, of course, knock out virtually every church, church group. That's right. And you even see churches arguing, oh, look at all, you know, there's a Unitarian Universalist church that argued after Katrina that it had enough secular, uh, you know, it, it did enough community service that was not religious. So soup kitchens, uh, community education projects, things like that. Uh, and it said, you know, we're not religious, but FEMA said no, because you were established for a religious purpose. You meet, you meet the 50% religious requirement, and that makes you ineligible. So this church waited years get a response from FEMA on that. Well, one of the things that we do, by we I mean the LCMS, is we actually have a series mm-hmm. of uh, training programs for our personnel that actually tell them what to do in the case of a uh, of an emergency. We uh, stockpile supplies, we uh, work out uh, liaisons, we work out logistics, all in anticipation of some kind of a problem. And of course, we've been responding wherever there is one. But as you pointed out, you know, this all comes out of our own pocket. We don't get reimbursed. We don't uh, receive any help. I think it's a, a tribute I, to the fact that these uh, these churches, ours, and of course your clients, didn't even bother to question it. They just jumped in to help. And this is part of what being a community is. And I'm, I'm again, a little bit taken aback that FEMA and other government agencies don't recognize this as being a valuable service to the community. That's right. And, you know, I've heard that the pastors of our church are saying, listen, we are going to help people in our communities, whether the government helps us or not. We, we'd rather they not discriminate us. We can, they, we'd rather they not discriminate against us because we're religious, but we're going to be there helping either way. Um, and when you see the government providing funds to community centers and libraries and zoos, 
and not but not to churches you wonder what the government's uh what the government's priorities are what, what they think is important are, is our churches not important is the work that they're doing not important FEMA, that's not what FEMA is saying so it's they really are pursuing a contradictory policy. Well, one thing I've found in speaking to uh, survivors down there and to uh, both to church members and non-church members is the importance of actual spiritual support of the counseling, of knowing that they're not alone, that there are people who care and are there to help. And this, again, is part of what the churches do. We reach out. That's right. And I love what Mr. Rogers said in times like this, uh, in times of crisis, look to the helpers and if you if you look at who the helpers are a lot of times it's churches it's you know the lutheran churches and, and our clients are assemblies of god churches and to see that you know the stories coming out of houston and also florida um these people are like are doing whatever they can to help so if FEMA really wants to help communities it should really provide these grants to churches too how can people find out more about the situation? Uh, the uh, Beckett Law does a lot of work, a lot of good work, uh, but I don't think it's a widely known organization. How can people find out more about Beckett? Sure, absolutely. We would love for you to follow our cases, and this case, Harvest Family Church, at our website. That's beckettlaw.org, uh, with one T. Uh, all of our, we, we have all of our cases up there, and you can follow them, follow along, and that's, that's a way you can really... Uh, be educated about what's going on in the field of religious liberty, and it can, uh, if you're more educated, then it makes you more informed to uh, talk to people around you, and especially your representatives at the local and state and federal level. Over and above this particular issue in uh, in Texas against the FEMA, what other issues are is uh, Beckett looking at? We are looking at other um, at other discrimination uh, going on around the country. Uh, following uh, following the Supreme Court's decision, there's other situations where state governments and the federal government are discriminating against groups just because they're religious. So uh, in New Mexico, there's a, there's a law that was that uh, forbids the state from providing textbooks to uh, public and private schools, including religious schools. Uh, so in the, we represent... Um, some groups in that who have been affected by that situation. Uh, there's there's schools around the country that are being denied really uh, neutral government funds just because they're religious. Uh, so that's one other area that we're that we're looking at following the Supreme Court's decision in Trinity Lutheran. One issue I believe that you're following is the HHS mandate regarding birth control and abortion, uh, like the day, like the morning after pill. How are you following with that? Sure. So the um, received a victory in those cases last summer when the Supreme Court ruled uh, it it um, it ruled that the parties would have to should have to come to some kind of resolution and the government should find a way uh, to do what it to provide uh, the services that it wanted to provide without uh, violating the beliefs of our clients, including the Little Sisters of the Poor. Uh, so um, since the new administration has has started. The um, president has announced that he, he will not continue to enforce the same uh, policy that the Obama administration did, and uh, he the government has submitted new regulations, and we are looking forward to seeing those. Well, there are other issues as well that are going on, and uh, certainly the, the role that uh, Beckett and other organizations are are 
playing are vital. Uh, something that I've noticed uh, again with Bucket with Beckett is that uh, you're defending clients of all faiths. You go. This includes not just Christians, but Buddhists, Jews, Hindus, Muslims, Native American faiths, Sikhs, Zoroastrians. It, it's all across the board when it comes to religious liberty. And I think that's one of the things that we try to enshrine, that we have enshrined indeed in our First Amendment, the concept of religious liberty and the free exercise. That is what's vitally important, I think, to many of us. That's right. We do think it's really important if you're going to represent, if you're going to argue for religious liberty for one, to argue for religious liberty for all. Um, it's You know, we, we say... It's not just about who God is, it's about who we are as people and that we have the right to pursue the truth, uh, each for ourselves. Well, over and above that, I think the uh, the government and the founders from the very beginning recognized that religion has a strong role to play in American society. And uh, that seems to have been becoming under increasing scrutiny and attack in recent years and so of course we have organizations like yours alliance defending freedom and, and other uh do you also see an increase in hostility toward religion uh we there are there is an increased number of challenges regarding religious liberty as you know as you see more government regulation of more areas of life that the that where the government hasn't been involved in the past you do 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 see more conflict between government regulation and uh, people following their individual religious beliefs. But we are also optimistic. We do. We also see the, the Supreme Court, other judges, and the government also recognizing that people do have uh, fundamental rights rooted in the First Amendment of, of religious liberty. And we see the government recognizing that more and more. So we're optimistic that as we go forward into the future, that we'll see more government recognition of religious liberty. And the president himself has expressed support for such a concept. That's right. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.